This week on the Songwriters Gallery, we're going to listen to some of the music and an interview with Movina Reynolds that was done on KFML with Sandy Phelps. It was from uh, Harry Tuff's collection, and uh, we were able to digitize it at Sound Century. The interviewer is Sandy Phelps. Special thanks to Park Peters, who actually did all the digitizing, uh, took it from reel to reel, and then uh, worked his magic on, onto that. And uh, So we appreciate Audio Park, <laughs> which is actually the name of, uh, of Park Peters' company, Audio Park. So I hope you enjoy uh, this interview. If you love me, if you love, love, love me, Today on KFML's Angle Show, we're talking with folk singer and songwriter Malvina Reynolds, a woman whose career has spanned over 35 years of causes and ideals. I write about almost anything that interests me. I write love songs, children's songs, crazy songs. And I also write songs about the life we're living and the times we're in. Protest is a little complaining, and that's not what I do. My stuff is strong and satirical, topical songs, perhaps. But because most other songs are not, do not deal with uh, the times and our lives and our problems, if a person sings, you know, like 10% songs that deal with that aspect of our lives, she gets pinpointed as a protest singer, and I object to that. I'm a singer-songwriter, and amongst the songs I sing are songs that complain not only about love, but about pollution and about the using up of working people in, in plants uh, by their health not being properly protect, protected, about women's liberation, about necessary changes in the world. But those are just part of life. People who write songs and exclude that are cutting off part of their living, what's in the daily paper and what they must surely be thinking about unless they're totally stupid or completely concerned only with commercial success, which I'm not concerned with particularly. I make a living at what I do, and that's great. You said you began singing at about, or your career anyway, at about age 40. Right. Why all of a sudden did you pick up the guitar and start singing? Well, I I had been a writer, but not successful, very timid, as so many women were and are having not no confidence in my ability, though deep down I had a feeling that I really was had the talent, but still very unsure of myself. So I was not a successful writer. Uh, I wrote poetry and stories and articles. I went to college, I got a doctor's degree in English at the University of California, and then I couldn't get a job because I graduated into a depressed time, and I was a woman and older and had advanced ideas, so I couldn't get a job, though I had Phi Beta Cap in my junior year and a doctor's degree. I'd always been a storyteller, and I was a word freak since I was a kid. I loved dealing. I loved to read and, and to talk. So when the people who were doing research into American folk music began to bring this stuff out into a wide public, and it began to affect American popular music. I was struck like with a bolt of lightning because this was where I belonged. The songs were strong and deceptively simple and full of the realities of life and very 
catchy. That's one reason they'd lived so long. They, they reached into people's hearts and minds with the, with the realities of life. So I began to play a little guitar, began to sing a few folk songs. But very quickly, I was writing my own. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes all the same. There's a pink one and a green one. And a blue one and a yellow one. And they're all made out of ticky-tacky. And they all look just the same. And the people in the houses all went to the university where they were put in boxes and they came out all the same. And there's doctors and lawyers and business executives and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same. And they all play on the golf course and drink their martinis dry and they all have pretty children and the children go to school and the children go to summer camp and then to the university where they are put in boxes and they come out all the same and the boys go into business and marry and raise a family in boxes made of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same there's a pink one and a green one and a blue one and a yellow one and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same so when the people who were doing research into American folk music began to bring this stuff out into a wide public and it began to affect American popular music. I was struck like with a bolt of lightning because this was where I belonged. The songs were strong and deceptively simple and full of the realities of life and very catchy. That's one reason they'd lived so long. They, they reached into people's hearts and minds with the, with the realities of life. So I began to play a little guitar, began to sing a few folk songs, but very quickly I was writing my own. And I was lucky to be a, a person in the right place at the right time because I got to know people like Pete Seeger and Vern Partlow and Earl Robinson, Joan Baez, Judy Collins, uh, Harry Belafonte, when they were moving out with this folk material into the popular music world and transforming it in a very positive, strong way. And as they went up in popularity and in general acceptance, they took some of my things with them so that I was in the songwriting business when I was in my 50s. And then Harry Belafonte recorded Turn Around, which is a song that many people know, but they don't know that I wrote it. Pete Seeger recorded Little Boxes. Uh, Joan Baez recorded What Have They Done to the Rain, which was picked up by the searchers in England and became a big pop hit all over the world. It was picked up by the Seekers in Australia. And uh, a lot of my uh, songs were 
recorded by other artists, and so I was getting enough royalties to live on. Where are you going, my little one, little one? company, my own publishing company. I'm my own booking agent, publicity agent, what have you. What do you think of the direction a lot of these people have taken since the since the 40s and 50s when the whole, again, the word protest movement really began? Mm -hmm. What do you think of where they are now and where you are now? Well, they can't be anywhere where the movement isn't. You can't expect a strong political song movement when there is not a strong political movement. And the movement was has been dissipated by beating its head against Watergate, the encroachment of the CIA and FBI into the left movement by a general downbeat situation. Now, I think that much of what happened in the 60s Though it was very effective in the long run, it was effective in stopping the war and making some changes in the black people's situation, the women's situation. On the other hand, a lot of it was upfront. It was flashy, trashing, violence, and it was not firmly based in political ideology or a strong grassroots organization. And so I wasn't surprised to see it sort of fade out. It's become beginning again. But I think it's much more strongly based. It's beginning again. Oh, yes. Do you know about Seabrook? Mm -hmm. Yes. There are strikes all over the country. There are 
the woman's movement continues. The black people have made some gains and are making more and are very positive in their work toward improving the situation. The, any move toward war by the administration here would have much more difficulty than it's had in the past. The wars are necessary to the continuation of the capitalist system as it's run, to use up the surpluses and to give occasion for big contracts to big business that we pay for with our heavy taxes. I think there are evidences all over the country of rising resistance to the direction, the destructive direction that business has set this country in, and I feel hopeful about it. Malvina's latest cause has to do with a rape case in Madison, Wisconsin, and in particular, a Judge Simonson's reaction to that case. Judge Simonson, County Judge Madison, the capital of Wisconsin, put a, a one of three young men on probation for a year who had raped a girl in the school hallway because she wouldn't go out with them. She was dressed in jeans, a blouse. It was the fault of the permissiveness of the teaching of young people and the way young women dress. And there was an immediate outburst of resentment against him, though he got some support. There are people who agree with that point of view. But the faculty members at the high school and the University of Wisconsin Law School made public petitions expressing outrage at Simonson's remark. The women and the people of Madison began circulating a recall petition, and DeWitt, chairman of the City County Rape Commission, said, it's incredible with so much improved police work and hospital treatment and with follow-up trauma care and public information which is now available, and opinions so blatantly sexist could be tolerated. I had read about this incident when I was in Chicago. I did a concert there, a couple of concerts there. But when I got right into Madison, I was moved to write a song about it. And uh, I'm going to sing it for you. I don't need the guitar for this one. The song is called The Judge Said. And it goes to the old tune. When Johnny comes marching home again, the judge said, screw em. boys, you're only human. They brought it on themselves by being born a woman, like a mountain's there to climb, and food's there to be eaten. Women's there, woman's there to rape, to be shoved around and beaten. The judge took his position. The judge, he wouldn't budge. So we've got out this petition and we're gonna screw the judge. Now if you beat a horse or dog or violate a bank, Simonson will haul you in and throw you in the clink. But violate a woman, your equal and your peer. The judge will slap you on the wrist and lay the blame on her. The judge took his position. The judge, he wouldn't budge. So we've got out this petition, and we're going to screw the judge. To draw a true conclusion from what Simonson has said, woman has to live in fear and cover up her head. She has to dress in puta and lock herself in cages. And this kinky judge in Madison is from the Middle Ages.
Malvina has been concerned with the plight of women long before it was popular to do so. Inches along on the rim of the world Always about to go over How she can manage I never know To get from one day to the other Scrounging a buck or a bill For the share of a roof for her head This nobody's child This precarious girl Who lives on the rim of the world Like a princess in somebody's rags She dreams of a world without danger Climbing the stairs to a room of her own With someone who isn't a stranger But now she eats what she can Accepts what there is for a man This nobody's child This precarious girl Who lives on the rim of the world Our guest has been Malvina Reynolds And you've been listening to KFML's Angle Show And you're listening to the Songwriters Gallery on Legends And that was definitely a legendary interview uh, That was... KFML, and that was Sandy Phelps uh, talking to Malvina Reynolds, and I hope you enjoyed uh, that uh, very start of our show this week. I know some of you remember KFML here in Denver, and it was uh, it was really progressive. And uh, uh, even though we had the innovators on the other side of town on KLZFM, uh, they had uh, KFML. Uh, they used to do the Nooner and play a whole album side, <laughs> uh, at least half an album, I should say. And uh, that, was, uh, that was always enjoyable uh, throughout the 70s and early 80s. Uh, but KFML, uh, actually, they have the call letters, I think, somewhere in the Midwest, and uh, they, have, uh, they have commandeered those, uh, those call letters, KFML. Uh, this is Richard Beatty. Stay with us. You're listening to the Songwriters Gallery.